Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Miriam Knight, the publisher of New Consciousness Review, a digital multimedia magazine and website where we review the top books and films having an impact on the global awakening. Our website is ncreview.com. On this show, we explore the many and varied faces of conscious awakening, what that can mean in your life, and we celebrate consciousness in action. Our guest today is the amazing Barbara Marks Hubbard, a prolific educator, futurist, and visionary pioneer in the field of conscious evolution. She has authored seven books, including Conscious Evolution, her seminal work, Emergence, and The Evolutionary Journey. She is one of the great elders of this time who co-founded leading-edge organizations like the World Future Society and the Association Global New Thought. She has co-produced many conferences aimed at inspiring whole society evolution. An evolutionary thinker, she believes that global change happens when we work collectively and selflessly for the greater good. This vision is communicated with urgency and passion in her revised and updated edition of Conscious Evolution, which we are going to discuss today. Welcome, Barbara. I am so pleased to have you back on the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here, too. Barbara, you have an edge over most futurists in that you're using both your rather formidable intellectual power as well as your intuitive abilities. I would yes. like to know if any of the changes you've seen since the first edition of Conscious Evolution came out have surprised you. Let me see. I think two things are surprising, although when you think of them are, are pretty obvious. One is the rapidity to which the crises we're facing has become known to the general public. And the awareness of global warming and other crises that have a very short time frame to be resolved, and it also looks like we don't know how to resolve them quickly enough. Now, there, there's a, a lot of people who think we're doing better than it looks, and that way may well be, but I think there's more public awareness of the crisis and that we need to do something which paves the way for evolution by choice, not chance. So th that scene has been set. And I mm -hmm. think the other uh, unexpected real blessing is the number of people who are becoming evolutionary, uh, who are, in Teilhard de Chardin's homo progressivus, attracted to the future as an organism progressing toward the unknown. And when I got started in this work, I never met anybody like me uh, until I met Jonas Salk. And he, I told him what was wrong with me, and he said, no, that's not what's wrong, wrong with you. It's what's right about you. You're a mutant. And the mutant was somebody who is innately attracted to what's emerging. So the, uh, the surprise of the attraction of numbers of people to what's emerging in themselves as well as in the world, combined with the crises, gives an immediacy to everything I've ever been thinking. Mm. And you have been so spot on. What would you say are the most important shifts that you've seen in the past 15 or so years? Well, I think one of one of the shifts comes out of the sense of crisis which is to be aware that we have a crisis, that we're all responsible. It's a global crisis, and the awareness that none of the existing structures of society are designed to handle it, whether it be government or 
organized religion or universities or global corporations, they are not designed to deal with a global crisis at this scale. Not the UN. So the emergence of an awareness that something new is needed is certainly happening. And another thing that's amazing is the rapid growth of the nervous system in the noosphere, which is to say Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, over 7 billion cell phones, smart smartphones, Google. Suddenly the planet, while it's going into this crisis, has at the same time a new nervous system for very rapid communication. And I feel that puts us on the threshold of doing what Teilhard de Chardin said, is getting our collective eyes, seeing that we're part of one living organism, that we're in this together. So I think there's an emergent um, inspiration toward a planetary evolution. It came out in Birth 2012, which Stephen Dynan and I of Shift Network hosted, to say something new is being born. It's a new era of evolution. We are no humans. We are in a new culture. We're creators of the new. I think that's new, too. That's kind of the dynamic that you see playing out. It's this this tension between uh, trying to pull back and preserve the status quo versus the, the, the new pushing through with, with vocal demonstrations and, and uh, really this, this uh, angry energy. Right, exactly. The new is definitely pushing through, and I find that to be very exciting and animating. Yes. Now, you say we have the choice between evolution and extinction. That's a pretty stark <laughs> Well, you know, I was thinking if, if Leo Tolstoy were around, he wouldn't be writing war and peace, but evolution or extinction. Now, that's an exaggeration. I don't believe we're going to be extinct. And I just read a really important article by Stuart Brand saying we're not, we're not rendering ourselves extinct as, as a species, at least not at this stage. But I, I think that the idea that we could really de destroy our life support system and diminish all the chances of a growing um, growing in depth and growing quality human society may be lost. And that, that I think is real. So, no, and also the time frame is so short. It's not like you have a couple of generations to make a choice. It looks like it's this generation that is crucial on this earth. And this generation is still barely waking up. So there you are. You speak of time frame and I get the sense that time is just speeding up. Uh, it might just be the age, <laughs> my age. Uh -huh. um, but you have seen the, the evolution for the better part of a century. Um, do you feel that it's like a flywheel gaining speed because we have both the catastrophes coming at us more quickly but also the technology development and the advances are gaining speed? So I feel that we're on the threshold of a new species here because if you put the evolving human consciousness and spirituality, which is growing, 
with nanotech, biotech, quantum computing, artificial intelligence, space travel, etc., and you really imagine those new capacities, even in the next 40 to 50 years, you're seeing something so much greater than the human species has ever been before that either we will abort the process somehow and, and lose it or we're going to become a universal species. You talk about a universal humanity. Um, before we go into that, uh, that that's really a, a wonderful vision that you put forward in the book. But the thing that I'm struggling with is looking at the entrenched power structure, yes. the, the terrible drag into globalization of a kind that just concentrates power in fewer and fewer hands and economic power, um, yes, political power. How do you see us getting past that? You know, it's, it's a race against time here because what you say is true. And this is my evolutionary intuition, which nobody knows for sure, is that nature at times of crises tends to accelerate innovation, mutation, and change, as is happening today. And there's a tendency in nature for those innovations to connect as the system gets more dysfunctional. So innovations in health and education, energy systems, and so on, tend not only to, to get to, to uh, become more, but also to synergize and connect and the, the theory here is, is the way nature has gone from entropy or disorder to higher order for billions of years, breakdowns to greater breakthroughs of whole systems, is by connecting innovations at time of crises. So my intuition is that we have all the innovations and solutions that would get us started on the new world right now, but we don't yet have the process of connectivity of that to make the jump occur. And so what's needed is uh, an interactive, synergistic, Internet nervous system to connect that which is creative quickly. We've certainly seen the use of the Internet in, in some fascinating ways, mm -hmm. um, both with the Arab Spring, for example, with, uh, and with the current uh, terrorist uh, groups uh, emerging on the planet. Um, but it's also, I remember when the Internet started, it was actually a vehicle for scientific collaboration at the university level. Yes, yes, and really to start, started even before that for the Defense Department. And it, it, nobody could have really foreseen what's happened with those smartphones walking around with the wisdom of the world in the palm of your hand. I mean, it's truly, truly stunning. We take it for granted, but... Every now and then I look at this little thing in my hand and realize I don't have a clue in the world how it does that. But I don't have a clue how my brain does it either. So the fact is that we've been given the tools to do it quickly. And as the system becomes less effective, as, for example, the, whoops, the American presidency. Whoa. I can't do that. No, I can't do that. Sorry. Um, the system becomes less and less effective, then uh, the idea of connecting becomes more effective. And it's a race against time. Nobody knows for sure. 
it's almost like the pain has to get um, severe enough for yes. us to be willing to listen. Yes. You talk about conscious evolution. Is it is it just as much the evolution of consciousness? Well, it is that, and the thing that makes it different, consciousness has been evolving for billions of years in ever higher life forms. Conscious evolution is radically new, which is to say we are the first species to be aware of the evolutionary process. So the evolution of consciousness, is, as I say, has been ha happening since the earliest single cell. And the conscious evolution is radically new, and I believe you could date it from about 1945 when we dropped the atomic bombs on Japan. And we saw that through the knowledge of Einstein, E equals MC squared, that brilliant understanding, we could build a bomb to destroy the world. And I could see, I was 15 years old, that if we continue to have this much power in a self-centered conscious species that will use war as a means of winning over each other, that we wouldn't survive. And, of course, that was way before nanotech, biotech, artificial intelligence, and all the rest of it. So what's, what's really uh, happened is that we've, we've hit a crunch here, and I think that we're going to have to be, that's why conscious evolution is so important, is to have people see this is the great awakening of the species as a whole. Because if we're conscious we're affecting our own evolution, that means we have to have a far broader understanding of our own effect on evolution. And in the most deep spiritual sense, I realize we are evolution. Hmm. We are evolution embodied in you and me. I'm not even just about it or conscious of it. I am it. And I am, you are, we are the story of creation embodied in each person. The outcome of it. Or not only the outcome, but the embodiment, like the atoms and the molecules, the cells, the lower brain, the reptilian brain, the mammalian brain, the neocortex, let's say the emerging evolutionary consciousness, all of that's incarnate in you and me. And so the, we are the embodiment of the entire story of creation. And as you begin to have evolutionary consciousness, what then happens is that you become aware that, that you are part of the process. It's, you're not external to it. You are the process. It's really a very profound spiritual epiphany. And it's a profound responsibility as well. That's exactly right. And what I find personally is that when you, when you find a life purpose that is really deeply true for you and you say yes to it, that impulse of evolution that's running through the whole process is running through you. And when you say yes, like I said yes to becoming an evolutionary communicator, all right, so that yes activated the impulse of evolution within me. And the more I say yes to it, the more it activates me. And I think it's regenerating. I think it's as you get over, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, the reason for longevity, like I'm 85 years old now, feeling so new, the reason for this longevity and this lifespan is that the impulse doesn't age. The impulse is getting 
is emergent, is getting newer. You should bottle it, Barbara. Um, <laughs> you also do yoga every day from memory. No, I don't. You don't? I, I, do. I You know, I'm very sorry to say I don't. I take, somebody once said, how do you keep fit, Barbara? I said, I walk and I talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk, I walk and I talk. Now, occasionally I do yoga, but I'm not nearly as good about doing it as I would like to be. I'm not proud of myself one bit. (laughs) Oh, dear. You know, you were talking about uh, doing something in the world that's fulfilling, and, and we've been talking about human potential since the 60s. But you're introducing the concept of social potential. How is the social potential movement different? Well, it's really obvious. It started out with the human potential movement. So through the founders of it, like Abraham Maslow and Michael Murphy and so many others, is that we we started to look at the higher ranges of human potential. And Maslow, he said that the key to the self-actualizing person was chosen vocation that we find intrinsically Mm self-rewarding. In other words, the work I'm doing now is self-rewarding. The work you're doing, I can see it's self-rewarding. And then you need resources and you need to gain traction and all the rest of it. But you're not doing this because you're getting a million dollars, I'm sure. (laughs) Some of us pay to do our work. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we love the work itself is a lifeline to to reality. So I, I, I think that... What's, what's really happened here is that more and more of us are engaged in a deep level of communion with the impulse of creation through vocation. That is absolutely what I see around me as well. But the other thing I see is so many people who would dearly love to do, uh, to, to, to get out of their dead-end jobs and to do something more uh, fulfilling, um, but either they're afraid or they just do not see the possibilities. Right. I think that's, that's a real challenge, a real challenge. And the way you can see the possibilities take baby steps. It's not like suddenly leaving a job if you are dependent on it. But I believe the entrepreneurial spirit, a freeing enterprise system whereby if you're passionate about something, you reach out and you see who else is interested, and then you see how you can make this a service. And then you get to do it because a job is always hired to somebody else's purpose. And it's necessary. But now, as jobs are harder to get and more and more people are educated, I think that the real cutting-edge frontier is uh, the uh, small-scale entrepreneurial work that you have to find support for giving your gift. And I think, you know, if you go to any Body, Mind, Spirit show, you uh, see that as many uh, visitors as there might be, um, most of the vendors are actually buying from each other. It's almost like a closed-loop system. Yes. Um, and there's no reason why we can't just expand that model and create these communities of of mutual support and mutual commerce. 
Well, you know, I just want to mention to you that in the Foundation for Conscious Evolution, I've been doing a lot of teaching and thousands of students out there, but I haven't created community. So I just got off a phone call with my friend Nina Patrick, who's going to be initiating the Conscious Evolution community. And we're going to do something called a global communion of pioneering souls, a new sacred space for evolving humanity. And once, probably once a week or maybe once every month it is to be seen, we're going to do a sacred space where we activate that highest frequencies of our being together, inviting everyone in free. And then if they choose to become a member of the community, they can, and for very, very low cost or more, what they want to do, and they can be welcomed into a, into a spiritual community of pioneering souls. And I've needed that all my life. Mm. So I'm really happy to have it. And I'm going to create it for myself and others because we, this culture has really, in many of our lives, destroyed community. It's destroyed, um, it's, it's destroyed the uh, extended family. destroyed so many of our things that have given us automatic uh, community. Mm -hmm. We don't have it often. If you don't belong to a church or have an extended family or some organization, you're lonely. It reminds me of what Paul Ray said about uh, the cultural creatives, is that one of the characteristics was they all thought they were alone. Right, and so many of them are lonely. Yes. I interviewed people in my, one of my classes, and 70% felt lonely. Well, we'll pick that up uh, after the break. I am speaking okay. with Barbara Marks Hubbard about her revised edition of Conscious Evolution, Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Marks Hubbard about Conscious Evolution. Barbara, what are the websites where people can find out more about um, the, the activities that you're involved in as well as perhaps get your book? Evolve.org. Aha. And that's the movement that you actually initiated, were, were the founders. Right. What yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yes. What can people do on it? What can people do in it? Well, they can join the community. That's the first thing. And they can read a lot of uh, my work. They can get a new newsletter, a kind of blog. They can put in their ideas. And they can. And we're just now developing the next step to actually make it into a community. Great. Evolve.org. Correct. Sign up for the newsletter. Very good. Um, we were speaking before the break about uh, the, the, this whole question of community. Um, what is the, the, the sort of evolutionary spirituality and evolutionary consciousness um, impulses? What, um, is, is that the core that is going to bring us together? I, I believe that the core of it is love. 
and that there is a new way of conceiving of the meaning of evolution as a love story. And I'm working on a book with Mark Daphne on universe, a love story. And what that is, is the idea that from the origin of creation, the impulse of evolution has created these ever more complex systems through allurement of separate parts, forming a new whole. Like single cell, the amoeba goes into multi-cell, which goes into larger organism, all the way on up to us becoming a planetary organism. So love is at the core of our lives. Love is at the core of evolution. And when we become conscious of that spiritual impulse within us, I find it comes forth in a feeling of profound uh, eros and incarnation of the impulse through vocation and spirit, and then the wanting to give your gift into the world as a woman wants to give birth to a child. You know, she doesn't say, I will only give birth to this child if he's really attractive and it's an easy birth. No, she's pregnant, she's going to give birth to the child. So the way you feel here is you're going to give birth to your gift and your contribution to the world. And it's passionate. It's erotic. It's, it could be neurotic. <laughs> it's neurotic, but it could be neurotic if it's not erotic. <laughs> Yes. You have uh, this uh, diagram of the, the circle with all the different segments that I remember from your first book of the, the yes. different sort of sectors. Um, how do they come together and what pulls them together into the center? Well, that's a good point. If you look at the, the whole diagram, is a spiral of evolution, universe, earth, life, animal life, human life, and then we have a big loop on the spiral. We put the wheel of co-creation in there. So the hub of the wheel, graphically, symbolically, is where the impulse of evolution comes through your heart. Let's say you and I are on the phone right now, and in my sort of uh, visualization, we're in the hub of the wheel. And you're inspired by some impulse in you to be talking with me, who's inspired to be talking with you, about the shared experience that we have of the evolving impulse within us and within the world. That's how the wheel comes together, is through the heart at the hub, just like a wheel itself. If you lose that hub of the wheel, you lose the wheel. So then as you go out into the various segments of work, Let's say in your case it might be media. But you know that you need to stay connected to your heart and your spirit when you do it, or else even the purpose of what you're doing will disappear. And this is true in all sectors. And then the process is synergistic convergence of looking for common goals and matching needs with resources in every sector of the wheel. And that can be a conferencing process or an Internet process. And perhaps the community uh, initiative that you're taking will, will also feed into it because I, I remember you talked about the need to network the networks. That is really kind of... Yes, and finally I'm getting around to doing it myself <laughs> on a small scale. It's one thing to think everybody should do it and it should be in the global brain, but I haven't done it myself, so there I go. <laughs> well... Um, you are certainly inspiring others to do it. And, and yes, hope yes. is a vision. I mean, 
for some reason, people don't step up into their power and into their leadership roles, and it really takes the few mavericks, the few mutants like you, <laughs> to um, sort of inspire the, the, the rest of us to step up and step out. We know the word pioneering soul is a good one. Not everybody is a pioneer. If you think of the United States, the people who came over from the old country to the new, not everybody. It's probably the ones with the greatest impulse and the greatest discontent and this greatest need to more fully express. And it is a pioneering group. So we're in its social, pioneer, social spiritual pioneering now, not so much the physical pioneering of crossing the country or the astronauts or even the purely scientific pioneering. It seems to me it's more the spiritual, social pioneering of building within your own life, within the world, a communion and community that reinforces the potential of humanity. That, that's really what we're doing here. Well, they talk about carrot and stick, and you have this wonderfully positive vision that you put forth in your book. But what do you see as the, the um, I guess, the biggest sticks coming behind us, the biggest threats to... Well, that's where I think the crises is so obvious. The biggest threat would be a real failure of civilization. I mean, that's the biggest threat. And we're actually seeing in, in, in uh, well, not so miniature, but, you know, in, in a limited version, what that might look like. Right. So I think that threat and all the bad news that we get in the media either discourages people and they withdraw or it activates you to say, I'm going to do something, I'm going to give my gift here, I'm going to do something. So the crisis stimulates response. And I think that that's one of the reasons of the great waking up that so many people are undergoing. And then the millennial generation and the younger ones have an access to knowledge and information completely unprecedented to the older ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're almost new beings because they live, they live in a global world. They live in an Internet world. They live in a world <laughs> that transcends all the <clears throat> separations of nation, culture, you know, color, race, all of those divisions start to fade. You know, maybe it's no accident that in the grand scheme of things, they're also the ones most under pressure um, of finding appropriate work and, and being burdened with yes. education loans. And, <clears throat> and uh, I think um, there's a, a project that I, I won't mention right now the name of it because it's so so new, but it's very beautiful, of uh, particularly offering the millennials matching needs and resources with companies that want to, to hire them and creating a new level of cooperative entrepreneurship here. That sounds very promising. Um, yes. And we are speaking with Barbara Marks Hubbard about Conscious Evolution, her revised edition. Please get it. It is amazing and so topical, considering that the first edition was written 17 years ago. Uh, Wow. Now, Barbara, before the break, we were talking about some of the positive um, initiatives 
that are coming out of this conscious evolutionary spirit. Can you uh, describe uh, another one or two? Well, I think one of the most positive things that's coming out is something called Organic India. That's a company that is founded by Bharat Mitra and his wife Bhavani. And they, they met in a, uh, the Papaji ashram years and years ago. And they've developed a company that now is working in India to reclaim agriculture for the uh, farmers who were forced to use GMO and were committing suicide and terrible things and showing them how they can grow organic, organically and helping to clean up the Ganji River. Mm-hmm. And Bharat just told me that he's deciding to go to take a big group of us to Bhutan, the happiness culture. <laughs> All kinds of really wonderful ideas. And he has the Uplift Festival, I think, is, is a really wonderful, wonderful um, thing that I would, I would certainly offer to everyone. I think the Association for Global New Thought, called Agent, is a marvelous organization that is creating the Gandhi King uh, grassroots civic engagement, thousands and thousands of people. And if you, you know, if you could list all the organizations doing good, it's, it's huge. The thing that's still missing is the synergistic connectivity as a whole system. And since nature jumps through whole systems, we need to find out how to connect those parts. And I, I think that some people are working on this now at a large scale. I think that this is a meme in, in the, the global brain because I have come across many people working in limited, you know, sub-areas, but it's right. coming from this impulse of connectivity. It is, yes. So um, you talk about the new story of humanity. What is this new story that you think we can create, the, the universal human? Well, the new story really has been given to us by cosmogenesis and the understanding that the universe originated about 13.8 billion years ago in a great flaring force and for billions and billions of years has been evolving from single cell to multi-cell to animal to human on this little planet and there are billions of galaxies and trillions of planetary systems and so there's a tendency in evolution for higher consciousness, greater freedom and more complex order. And so that is the new story and we're, we're part of it. We are the story incarnate. You and I on this phone are taking, you know, putting a next chapter into the story of creation because we're creating something. So in that sense, it's a living organism. And I think the fact that so many people have been looking outside of the old stories of their respective uh, religious culture to to find a more universal story, to find something that they yes. resonate with. Well, you see, all the religions were uh, were born out of a uh, pre-evolutionary scenario and understanding of the universe. So they're all basically wrong in the sense like the flat earth is wrong. It's not flat. It's round. So let's say the the Catholic theology of the the three-tiered universe and God in heaven and the hell, none of that has any reality or that the... um, 
you know, the sun goes around the earth. No, it doesn't. The earth goes around the sun. So the scientific eyes have opened us up to the universal story. And the spiritual experience is opening us up to the reality that we are the story evolving. We are the product. We are the universe in person. To be fair, at the time that these religions were established, um, they were an evolutionary process. Right. They were a very modern and, and progressive kind of view. The problem is that they put a stop to it. They, they like, froze them in time. Right. And as you say, we are evolution. I think I just understood that for the first time. <laughs> We are evolution, and so the great mystic saints and seers and avatars of the human race launched civilization, and the religions that formed around them were vital at that time because most people could not possibly do the works. Like Jesus said, you know, you can do the works that I do and greater works will you do in the fullness of time. All right, so that was a very evolutionary thought. I've just published, I'm going to be publishing a book called... Um, Evolutionary Testament of Co-Creation, The Promise Will Be Kept. And what we're going to be, what's in the book is an evolutionary perspective on the Gospels, Acts, and Epistles. To see Jesus as an example of an evolutionary being who had the capacities of the emerging humanity that we're not yet there. But he said, you will do this. I go to create a place for you. I am your friend. He did everything in his power to make himself look like we could be like him. He really did. Not, not, and even the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, the promise, uh, St. Paul's belief that we should all be changed and that this corruptible will be incorruptible. In my understanding, this is an evolutionary scenario. And if you combine all the latest technologies with Christ consciousness, you would get the new species. So what we need is an evolution in our perception and our understanding. Yes, and a synthesis here of the new science, the new technologies, and the evolving spirituality, and the crisis of, a, of the birth of an emerging humanity pushing us forward. It really can be inclusive of all of the above. It's just a question of, of a different perspective a broader perspective and inclusive yes it, it, and I, I think the very important thing is to have the, the evolutionary meta narrative of the billions of years of evolution and to gain what I call evolutionary eyes now evolutionary eyes can see the story of creation and take an overview perspective it's like the astronauts had to have an overview perspective to see the earth from space you can't see it while you're walking on the earth. You have to be ecstatic to see it. So I have evolutionary eyes. I can stand outside the billions of years of evolution from a universal perspective and see myself as a participant in it. At the same time, I'm standing outside of it in my perspective. Yes. Um, in our last segment, I really want to talk about how we actually move this agenda forward in the world. What can we do personally? 
how do we create our own plans of action? What, what can we say that again? What do we do personally? Personally, what we do personally is know that each of us has within us this impulse of evolution, this impulse of creativity, of spirit. Get in touch with that deepest impulse. What does it want to express through you? What is your unique gift? What, when you do it, do you feel joyful and rewarded just in the act of doing it? And you begin to chart a path for yourself based on that impulse within you and saying yes, yes, yes to it, testing things out, becoming a pioneer to reveal to yourself what the impulse is calling you to. And I call the impulse of evolution uh, the incarnation of spirit as you evolving you toward more creativity and love. And so you have to find the way. That's why it's a pioneer. Nobody can hand this to you. I want to read um, just a few sentences from your book that absolutely hit me very hard. It says, the co-creative society cannot be imposed or engineered into existence. It is nurtured by, into being by increasing the connections and coherence among those already initiating vital actions. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I so um, resonate with in this book. It's, it's a call to action. Yes. It's a call to action, and it's a call to co-creation. It's a call to what I call joining genius. So there's a lot of juicy love in it. You get very juicy when you talk about love, actually. Yes, <laughs> I am. I think we we sort of lost eros in our culture. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So um, how would you recommend that we expand our our vision into the, the kind of circles that you describe? Do you still have these hubs going on? Well, the hubs were over in the um, afterbirth 2012, but I'm very happy to say I'm going to create an evolutionary community of people, and that will be one of the ways with the global communion of pioneering souls, a new sacred space, and then a community where we can meet each other. And that will be one of the many ways that many communities are forming like this. But this one will be on Internet, but we will also have personal retreats. And I'm going to do my part now because I need it. Otherwise, you know, I'm on the phone all the time doing this, but where are the people? <laughs> right. <laughs> I need them. Yes, yes, we, we forget. We need, each, we need each other now, and we need it locally and globally. Networking networks as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what is your next book about? My next book is called uh, Becoming a New Human, Awakening Eros, Ecstasy, and Evolution Within You. Okay, I'll buy it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that title. Yeah. Do you think that we um, 
we've devalued the whole notion of love. Um, mm-hmm. We've um, kind of uh, made a cartoon of it instead yes. of really feeling it viscerally. Yes, it's so true. So I think when you see love as the impulse of creation throughout the whole process and then feel it inside yourself as eros, going towards higher purpose, then you begin to be truly imbued with spirit. Hmm. I think the, the, the image that uh, comes to mind is, is like standing on a mountaintop and looking out across a, a gorgeous valley covered with wildflowers and mm-hmm. sunrise or something. I mean, you just, your, your heart wells up with this feeling of connection with all that is. It does. It's really a blessing, truly. We, we really need to find ways of, of recreating that in our lives, yes. in whatever situation we are. Yes. We can do it. That's right. That's, that's the spirit. Very good. Do you have uh, kind of parting words for our listeners? Words of wisdom from one of the visionaries. <laughs> the... Well, our crisis is a birth of a new human and a new humanity. And to awaken that new human in yourself is to say yes to your impulse of creativity and love. I think more and more people are doing that. They're waking up and they're saying, what is my life all about? They have this divine dissatisfaction. Right. And it's really only by finding that... um, means to express your love in the world that they are uh, recreating themselves in a way that they can live with happily with themselves, that they appreciate who they are. Yes. That's so true. Very wise words. So, well, um, I have so enjoyed speaking with you, Barbara, and thank you. It's my hope that uh, your not only your, your book uh, recreates the, the splash that it made the first time around um, for a new generation and, and really uh, revisited by the older generation, but also yes. your, your initiative of creating community. So um, tell us again the, the website and the, the name of the community or the initiative. Evolve. What did you say? Is it on evolve.org? Yes, evolve.org. That's right. But but what is the name of this community that you're? Oh, the Conscious Evolution Community. Uh huh. And it would be accessed through your website. Yes, it will. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Barbara. It's okay. uh, (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I hope you will join us next week when my guest will be Julia Shopik. She will be talking about Honest Medicine, which is the name of her book, but she's taking it a step beyond and um, teaching you how to talk with your medical practitioner and how to become your own health advocate. Until then, I would love for you to visit New Consciousness Review on ncreview.com where you can leave through our content-packed multimedia magazine and browse through our reviews 
and podcast archive. And should you be around Facebook, we're at facebook.com forward slash ncreview, although the page itself is called Media for Enlightened Living. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us, and I do hope you'll tune in next week. Until then, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Be good to yourself, do good in the world, and let that light of yours shine.